0: Uh, today on this uh, Te Poheri Sunday, we thought it might be helpful uh, in our services to explore a little more about uh, some of the words in our Lord's Prayer in Te Reo, which uh, Dennis tells me, I think it's about 15 years, is it? Easily 15 years that we've been singing it here. So uh, that's a great tribute to uh, those of us who have been learning away over these last 15 years. And of course, we always have more to learn. But it's an important uh, contribution and gesture, uh, being part of a three tikanga church. And uh, when we come to looking at something in another one of our languages of this land, it's not just so easy as to pop it into Google Translate. I've been doing a little bit uh, of that lately as I've been learning uh, Latvian, the language of my grandfather. And occasionally I've had something that I want to just try and get the gist of, and I've I cut and paste and pop it into Google Translate. And I must admit, things come out in a very funny fashion sometimes. (laughs) I'm not sure if you've ever tried to do that, but sometimes um, you think, I think something might have been just lost in translation, uh, as they say. So it's not quite that simple. But on the other hand, there are some enormous riches uh, that we can gain from unpacking uh, some of the words and particularly some of the Maori words that are used because they were chosen very deliberately with uh, different nuances, just as there are in any language. And I think we can really be, uh, as we learn, can really be nourished by those spiritually and to find uh, the depths that are within them. So what I've done, and I'm not sure whether I'll be able to... Yep, there we are. What I've done is just to uh, do a a little small parcels, if you like, um, so that we can just look at some of the words and have put... um, not in the yellow there, not um, out the English translation, if you like, but more, a sort of an interpretation of the, um, the aim and the, nu- and the nuances of the Tereo that comes through. So in the uh, first line there, "Eto mato matua itarangi. And uh, we, of course, think of our father, uh, pray the our father, if you like, we sometimes call it. But in te reo, matua that is used there uh, as an equivalent, if you like, but in the Māori is actually a much um, bigger word, if you like, a broader word. And it can mean parent uh, to that extent. And it can also mean a female parent, as well as a, a male parent, which is perhaps really important for us in thinking about understanding of God, uh, who is greater than male and female, if you like. Uh, As we said in, in Jesus, there is no longer male and female. But what comes through, I think, most of all in that matua image is that image of a caring and loving and disciplining and helping and protecting all those different qualities of character um, that we see in God and then seek to emulate in our own limited, as we know so often, human way. And yet that is our goal, to, uh, to model off the love and the care that we see in God. And I think that can really uh, offer us perhaps a deeper uh, aspect to that phrase in the prayer. So there's uh, matua and rangi, of course, is the heavens. And then we come to the second line and um, two important words there uh, here, tapu to tapu there uh, in Māori and also uh, used too. we've sort of taken that one over into English and of course in other languages you get the taboo or those sort of concepts. Um, We can think that it sort of means forbidden because that's sometimes the way that it comes across to us as something, if something is tapu, it's actually forbidden to us. But it's actually also, it has a positive sense to it in the sense of being descriptive of reverence and respect and honour. So it's something that is worthy of our reverence and respect and honour. And they're all uh, feelings aroused in us uh, in relation to God. And so the prayer is that God indeed uh, be treated as special, as important, the most important, as holy and as hallowed. And, of course, in our old uh, version in English, it's hallowed be thy name, isn't it? And that word hallow is not something, it's, an, it's a, now a, um, uh, a word that we no longer use in current English, if you like. It's a sense of making something holy or considering it holy. And one of the most um, interesting linkages there is that it's very close to that Hebrew understanding of holiness, of God being holy, sacred, set apart, and therefore God's law was also something that was holy and sacred and set apart. And God's people were also called to be holy, be holy as I am holy sacred and set apart for God's service. And that's come through into our New Testament understanding as well, that as God's people, we too are called to be holy and set apart for a holy God. So it's, uh, I think, uh, again, a deeper uh, resonance and meaning that comes across in that word. And then your meaning name, is uh, very important, of course, your name and your own name is very important to you, and here also reflects the special and important character of god in a um, in a biblical sense to speak of someone's name is to invoke their character and we quite often see in some quite interesting stories in the uh, particularly in the Hebrew scriptures where Uh, You might recall Jacob saying to God, just tell me your name. I want to know your name and uh, the one he's wrestling with. And uh, he's told you are not allowed to know my name. Uh, My name is holy, if you like. And we come into the New Testament, we'll recall, uh, dear, I think it's Philip says to Jesus, just, you know, show us the father and, you know, we'll know everything. And it's sort of like we're stepping on hallowed ground And one of the interesting things is that we, as Christians, are given permission by Jesus to ask things in his name. And we can think, well, that's great. You know, I'll ask for X, Y, and Z. But we are, when we ask for something and pray for something in Jesus' name, we are called to pray in the character of Christ, according to the character of Jesus, because the name and the character are closely tied together and that is something we want to pray for ourselves isn't it that our name our good name if you like and our character go together uh, so there's that ingoa the name is not just the name but also the character and the character of god and then just on the bottom uh line there here time i to rangatira tanga. And there's that word rangatira tanga, the chiefly rule of a rangatira, of a chief. And uh, you can think in terms of the chief or the boss, uh, the big one, if you like. But also, of course, one who is a chief has that, not just the, the authority, uh, but also the responsibility of responsible leadership and guidance and education and nurture of the people. And so here that is attributed to God who has that ultimate responsibility and guidance and leadership and nurture of us as God's people, uh, the one who cares and protects us and seeks to create a safe and wholesome environment for for God's people uh, and to whom we therefore offer loyalty within that covenant relationship that's offered to us. And so the prayer there uh, is praying for such a chiefly rule to be upon us from God. And if you think of how we translate that in the English, let your kingdom, your sovereign power, your sovereign rule be known. Uh, And we talk about a kingly rule, or I suppose at the moment, we really should be talking about a queenly rule, shouldn't we? Uh, As we honor and remember our queen at this time. But, of course, there's another little bit uh, to that. Let your will be done. Uh, Let your will be done. Let your will be done. And this, again, has a a broader sense of God's will for good. It's not just any will. uh, It's actually, um, you could almost translate it, may it happen in the way that you, God, think is good. Which is really lovely, isn't it? It's saying, uh, Your good that you want for us. And so may it happen in the same way on earth as it is in heaven. On earth, the fenua, as it is on heaven, uh, ketote rani. So um, again, it's a prayer, a heartfelt prayer, isn't it? That we long for the good of God to be present here on earth. And we ache and long for that within our world that feels often so fragile uh, and weak, and yet we pray for that goodness of God to be poured out and to be seen through the goodness of humanity and of God's people. So that's a real a real heartfelt prayer, isn't it, that one? Then uh, when we go on, uh, I love that there's that concern for practical things. Uh, give us this day our daily bread as we pray. And there we have uh, taro, homae uh, ki a he taro, which would have been the bread, uh, the equivalent, the staff of life. And uh, those of us who travel around the world uh, know that in many different countries, um, the staple food is not necessarily bread. The staple food might be rice or the staple food might be, uh, well, I had flatbread. I was thinking in the Middle East, it was constantly flatbread, but there was also hummus, Um, and they just about always went together. And so in different places of our world, different foods are considered that staff of life. I always used to love in France that uh, when I lived there that there was always bread on every meal, and at breakfast, lunch, dinner, every meal, you'd have bread there, and often it was treated a bit like a serviette. You'd use it to wipe your plate, Um, and you didn't always eat it, but it was just there. It was so sort of a basic part uh, of what you did, so there we have that bread, that food that is staple to us, that is useful to us to keep us alive. Uh, if you like the food of life, we sometimes talk about the the staff of life, and that of course is not only food; it actually encompasses everything that is needful to sustain life. And we can talk about, if you like, our, our daily needs. Uh, and one of the interesting things that comes through here, and also in the original, in the Aramaic and in the Hebrew, is that it was bred for this day. Uh, so often in so many communities and still around the world, living is subsistence living. It's what people can find for that day. And they may not have the luxury of being able to worry about tomorrow. And, of course, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Um, today has sufficient in it for today. And so we pray to God, give us what we need for this day. Uh, Some of us are quite good at getting ahead of ourselves, aren't we, and sort of worrying about, you know, down the track. And this is a reminder that God is the God of this this day. And we pray that God will give us what we need for this day. So that's a a helpful reminder, I think. Then we go on uh, to the part, forgive us our sins hara, e And we start to see that reciprocal uh, nature. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And the word that's used here is is in the in the is actually a very strong word, that word murua. Um, and apparently uh, this actually relates back to an an ancient Maori practice whereby when a person died, um, his or her contemporaries would descend upon the house of the deceased and strip it of all the goods that it contained. And so it's a hugely strong word in terms of, if you want to think of our sins or the things that we're uh, not so keen on in our lives, it's really saying to God, strip us back, Get rid of all those things that ta- entangle us and that tie us down and that get in the way of us flourishing and growing. Uh, actually, in the Aramaic, it did have that sense of being like strings that, that held on to your, you know, that sort of made you trip over, like being caught up in a net or a, something like that that got tangled, seaweed or something that got tangled around your feet. And so it's quite a powerful image of saying, strip us back. Get rid of all that stuff that makes us trip up and fall over. But then it's very reciprocal, as we also do that for other people. And if we go back to the Aramaic, it actually translates to um, untie the strands that tie us to each other, but not in a good way, uh, when there's lack of forgiveness or resentment or bitterness And it actually is a a sort of an image of untying the knots that tie us to each other in bonds of unforgiveness and then offer release. It's almost like chains being broken, if you can imagine, invisible chains that bind uh, us to one another. So I think that's a hugely powerful image to reflect on. Uh, So in the same way, in that very reciprocal, we also need to let go of resentments Uh, and I guess that's part of what we do in the peace as we say we make peace with each other before we come together to the altar so I love that that's actually a very realistic part of our prayer and of our praying praying to God for the strength to know God's forgiveness and then to offer that to other people who may have hurt us even if they don't know they've hurt us um, as is so often the case and churches are often Uh, quite good I was just having a discussion with someone at eight o'clock that that funny old phrase the church would be all right if it wasn't for people (laughs) but we are who we are and uh, I love that in the Lord's Prayer there is always that opportunity to start again and to find forgiveness and to find a new beginning so that restoration of relationships and then do not lead us into temptation. In hokimato e that particular phrase, that's actually uh, probably closer to that old form of do not lead us into temptation. But it also has that imagery of um, things that entice us off in other directions. Um, I, I have my little Bakermans mantra when I go up to Bakermans Do not lead me into temptation. I can get there quite easily by myself. Um, And for some of you, it may be the same. Um, So we pray to God. Um, We know that we can easily wander off the track and at times we are tempted, but we pray that we will not be tempted or tested beyond our endurance. And the scriptures promise us that God is able to keep us. And so that's our prayer there. Stop us from being Enticed away from God's uh, presence, and but rescue us, deliver us from evil. And we've got that long word "faka orangia" in there, and of course "faka" is is the verb form, what makes something into a verb. But do you see in there that tiny little word aura O R A, life, life. When we say kiora, we're wishing people life and good health and wholeness. It's very close to that image of shalom in the Hebrew, which again has a much deeper resonance, not just of life, but also of health and wholeness and peace uh, with God, with people, with creation. And so this is actually a prayer um, that God will lead us into life rather than uh, danger or evil. So it's actually really hugely positive. Take us into what is life-giving for us. Take us into what will be healthy for us. Take us into what will be wholesome um, and bring us life in that really full sense of the Hebrew shalom, peace, life, salvation, and wholeness. And so really it's almost like saying, "May, may you be a whole person away from things that are evil may you have life. So it's a really flourishing, isn't it, um, concept there. So if sometimes you might struggle a little bit to get your tongue around that whakaurangia, remember that aura, the life, that is in the middle of it there. And then uh, finally, just on the last one there. Um, again, as we know so well, no hoki te rangatira tanga te kaha me te kororia. Yours is the kingdom, the sovereignty, Rangatira tanga. Yours is the power. Kia kaha, we say sometimes to one another, don't we? Yours is the power, be strong. And yours is the glory, karoria. And we attribute that back to God, just as we prayed at the beginning of the prayer. So that's the place we end. And forever and ever, ake, ake, ake. And I know uh, Wendy talks about your ake, ake, plant <laughs> some of you may have one of those in your garden and apparently because it's a hard wood it's a hard wood which has the image of going on and on and you can almost say aki 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 is as long as it takes uh forever and ever uh, Amen, which of course is the transliteration which we take through uh as we have transliterated amen uh, from the hebrew coming through as well So there we are. It's a little bit of a a cook's tour, but I hope there are um, some things to ponder on there as we reflect on the riches uh, that we can gain as we use one of the languages of this land uh, to pray together and together with our three tikanga of our church. And I'm pleased that over the years here, over at least 15 years within this service, we're now using and becoming more comfortable and more confident in praying within the different languages of this land. Uh, Maybe sign language is the next one that um, I too need to work on as another official language. But uh, it's a prayer we love. It's a prayer we know well in English. And so gradually we can also learn it in a way that it will feed us for a lifetime. If you think back, it's probably one of the earliest prayers that you learnt maybe as a child And yet it's a a prayer that can last us a lifetime and it has ever more riches that it can bring to us. So we thank God today for all it is to us and we'll sing it later on in te Amen.